ESPN NHL podcast with Linda Cohn and Emily Kaplan. How do you like that, Emily? We're back. Linda Cohn, Emily Kaplan. This is the In the Crease podcast with Linda Cohn and Emily Kaplan. I think it's okay that we repeat our names more than once. Uh, How are you, Emily? I like that we're back. I'm feeling good. And yeah, I'm Emily Kaplan. You're Linda Cohn. We're not that vain, but we'll say them a couple of times to make sure you guys know about this new podcast. Yeah, that's three times. I mean it, for goodness sake. All right. Okay, we're done. All right. We're done talking about ourselves, although there are a lot of things that are connected with ourselves that I wanted to talk about with you. Uh, And let's just get right at it. I mean, boy, it's so exciting now. Training camps are opening. Players are busy. Long days at training camp, and they don't even hit the ice yet. Now they have hit the ice. We got preseason games coming up, finally, and fans in the stands. Oh, well, we'll talk about that. But Emily, I got to talk to you, and I've been thinking about it. Boy, this Jack Eichel news. I mean, we've been on top of it. We talked about it in the first episode, of course. Uh, Now we find out a lot going on here. Kevin Adams, the Buffalo Sabres GM, you know, you heard him today coming out, talking about, uh, you know, the differences that remain uh, for Jack Eichel, who is now going to start the season on injured reserve. The uh, discrepancy and the debate and the brick wall between Jack Eichel, his representation, and the Sabres regarding how to proceed after Jack Eichel failed his pre-camp physical. We found that out, of course, today as we speak. And uh, there's a conflict on which surgery should Jack Eichel undergo. The Sabres want a fusion surgery. Listen, we're not doctors, but we know this. They're in a big disagreement. I reached out to Pat Prasan, of course, as you know, Jack Eichel's representation. He had no comment at this time regarding all of it. But the underlying big click headline is they took away the C from Jack Eichel. And I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. And you know, sometimes when you're just kicking yourself afterwards, where you're like, should have known something. We talked about last episode at the media tour, having Dylan Cousins there and just him maybe not being the right representative or being a little awkward or uncomfortable. And the moment he got the most awkward, Linda, was when you asked the question and we were kind of just trying to throw him a softball because he was so squirrely at this point with what's Jack Eichel like as a captain? And then that's exactly when he looks over to the PR woman who's sitting in the room and is like, how do I answer? I have to ask you about Jack Eichel because this is hanging over your team. It's your captain and there is a rift between him and management. What's that like for the rest of the team, just not knowing how this is going to shake out? Yeah, nobody really knows what's going on. But at the end of the day, it's not the player's job to worry about that. Um, we just have to go out there and, and show up and get better every day and do what we can to help the team win. What kind of captain is he? Um, um yeah, from the year I've only played one year with him, um, and he was a he's a, a great captain to me. Um, you know, he, he was a, a great guy, and um, he's a great player. And uh, you know, I'm just super lucky to have him my first year. All right, we'll talk about you. <laughs> you don't have to talk about other people. We're journalists. We had to get that yeah. out of there. And you know what's funny, Linda, is today. Obviously, I've been making some calls around, talking to people in Buffalo, and it seems like the rumor was out there for a while that this is what Kevin Adams was going to do. He didn't want Jack Eichel to represent the organization anymore. He wouldn't say it today that he's not. He's played his last game of the organization, but most people in the league feel that way. And you have to think Dylan Cousins knew when we were asking him that a couple of days ago. 
Yeah, I still don't give him a complete 100% pass of his awkwardness. Oh, by the way, he could have made a joke about it. He could have done anything but what he did. But it does make a little bit more sense. The other thing that came out with Kevin Adams, I mean, hello, pick up a phone, teams. He's still taking trade offers for Jack Eichel, okay? And the question is, Emily, I'm thinking about it. I'm like, okay, there are plenty of teams in the NHL who are, well, you know, I don't want to say plenty, but maybe 10, 10 to 12 that could use a Jack Eichel and put them on a level where they can actually compete for a Stanley Cup because these teams are offensively challenged. You know, one of these teams in Minnesota Wild, I mean, Kirill Kaprizov, now very rich, oh, by the way, uh, needs help. I mean, the Wild needs some yeah. scoring. That's one team that comes to mind. The Wild have never had a number one center in their entire franchise existence, ever. And But the question is, who wants to roll the dice on Jack Eichel? I mean, if I'm a GM, if I'm an owner, if I'm writing his check, and that check is a lot of money, okay? There's a lot of zeros on that check, as we know, uh, what he's getting paid. I got, I need more clarity. I mean, that's the thing, Emily. I need more clarity on the physical condition. I need to know more. I, I'm not a doctor, but I need a doctor to tell me or a chiropractor. I should call my brother, who is a successful chiropractor practice in Orange County, California, by the way. But I should call him and I should find out what's the difference between this fusion surgery and what Jack Eichel wants, this disc replacement uh, surgery that somehow, some way, the Sabres are not fans of. The Sabres aren't fans of it because no NHL player has done it before. It's not necessarily an experimental surgery from what I hear. There have been other athletes who have done it successfully, including in the NFL. But the interesting thing I find now is that deadlines typically spur action. What is the deadline now? There is none. He's There's no contract status that we have to figure out. And if the right. team wanted to trade him, now it's not the time because we know he needs treatment. A, they're going to need to agree with him on what the right treatment path is. But B, he's got to get that surgery, which is going to sideline him for a couple months. Guys that I've been talking to around the league are really curious. Is he even going to play in the NHL this season? A. And B, the other thing they want to know, especially the Americans down as here is, is he playing in the Olympics? The, you know, Sabre said that he's not fit for camp. That also can always be a technicality. But let's say he doesn't get this surgery. Will he be available for Team USA, a team he wants to play for come February? Let's make a deal. That's what I say. I mean, we know what he's going to make. He makes a lot of money. Like you said, there's no urgency there. There's nothing that's going to change there. So if I'm a team, I'm like, uh, you know, don't expect me to give up something valuable for Jack Eichel until we know the situation. But it just doesn't sound good on the injury front. I'm not even thinking about the Olympics for him. I mean, you know, I'm picking my Olympic team. I'm Mike Sullivan. I, do I want Jack Eichel? Do I want him taking up a roster spot when he hasn't yeah, played you a do. game? You, you want Jack Eichel on your team. He's an emotional player. He's a really good center. I know he's, he's, hey, I was at the draft, you know, number two overall behind Connor. I was there. I mean, it, it was heartbreaking. You know, he believed he should have been number one. Generational talent, right? Remember that draft, Emily? I was like, oh my God, two generational players. This is amazing, blah, blah, blah. You know, so, you know, I get it and it hurts him and he's got a big chip on his shoulder, but he's got to get better and I need more clarity. And if I'm an NHL team desperate, yes, for a generational player, a number one center, because he's being paid like a number one center. I just need to know more, you know, cliche coming. Time will tell. But uh, I'm anxious to hear what Jack has to say. And, you know, I'm anxious. I'm anxious to hear what's going on through his head right now and how he's feeling. Yeah, we really haven't heard much from him. We've gotten a statement from his previous representatives over the summer. But Jack, if you're listening, here's your platform. Come on and share your story and what you've been going through. Right. Um, but just to my point of earlier, I just 
don't see a clear path in sight for him to get to another team because Kevin Adams, first year GM, is digging his heels. Well, he's not a first year GM, nope. he's a first job GM for him. Right. But he's digging his heels in and he knows he's got to get a good return. But because of this injury and uncertainty, teams don't want to give up a big return because of the risk. And they're in an impasse here. He does have the full support of ownership, though. And that's important because we know in the NHL, it's the owners that write the check. And in the Buffalo area, that's Terry and Kim Pagula, which by the way, don't you find it a little funny that in the NFL, everyone talks about Kim and Terry Pagula as the model owners. They're doing everything right. Look what they've done in this franchise. And in the NHL, not quite the same reputation. No, and that has a lot to do with wins and losses, as you know, and whether you're going to contend for a championship. And we know how close the Buffalo Bills are to contending and how they have an MVP candidate in their quarterback, Josh Allen. And, uh, you know, that was the plan for the Buffalo Sabres. Uh, the only thing I hear about the Pagulers and Jack Eichel and the Sabres is that uh, the owner supports Jack Eichel. That's what I hear. Hmm. According to, you know, so, you know, for whatever that's worth, he's the guy, again, writing Jack Eichel's checks. So if I'm Jack, I'm happy about that. The checks will keep coming. But, you know, he's got pride. You know, we both know him. We both have chatted with him. We both talked with Jack Eichel. Uh, this is killing him. This hurts him. And I echo what, Emily, you say. Come on, our podcast, for goodness sake. Let's get the word out. Because right now, I think, uh, I think that in need, Jack Eichel is of some good PR. And I just want to know what's going on in his head. All right. Uh, another guy, okay, making news again. You know, on one hand, uh, you know, here's a guy, obviously, I know well, I sat down with him, you know, a week and a half ago. I'm talking about San Jose Shark, uh, Evander Kane. You know, we found out the NHL has concluded what, you know, honestly, gut feeling I knew was going to be the conclusion. Uh, that Evander Kane did not bet on NHL games. Evander Kane did not bet on his own games. He absolutely, positively, when I sat down with him, uh, obviously, he denied all of those uh, accusations by his estranged wife. Emily, now the latest, as you know, um, Evander Kane's estranged wife, Anna, during their divorce proceedings, uh, she has applied for a restraining order in Santa County Family Court Anna alleges, quote, according to uh, the restraining order that she has applied for, she is alleging a history of domestic violence against me. Those are her words, saying she, quote, walked on eggshells for fear that he would get mad and take out his anger on me. She continued to write, in the early part of our marriage, it was verbal abuse, but I eventually became his punching bag. So Linda, the NHL is the only of the four major North American men's professional sports leagues that does not have a domestic violence policy. And I am on the record of saying, I think that's a mistake because I think there needs to be a level of consistency on these issues just to navigate for how players and how teams go about this. When you have allegations like this, everything in the NHL is handled on a case by case basis by Gary Bettman. And they think that's proper. Anywho, what happened was this came out on the same day that they came out with their findings about Evander Kane gambling on games. So what they say is we're investigating him to something further behind the scenes. We know there's a lot going on with the Sharks. You asked Evander about it in your interview, said there's some teammates who don't want you back. He's not the best teammate. He's not the most liked person there. This hovering over his head was going to be a big distraction. And so Evander and the team 
have both decided he will not be at training camp until further notice. Now, there's a couple of places I want to go here. I really want to ask you some behind the scenes stuff because let's face it, you spent more time with the Vander Kane and talking to a Vander Kane than most people have in the last couple of years. And I know that you have some insights here. From what I can tell you, though, is that there have been so many people, specifically in the NHLPA, but around Evander Kane, who have tried to get him help over the last several years, and he's refused every time, and he's thought he can do this on his own. And I know he told you that he sought um, help for gambling addiction, and I think that's great. But there's more resources there for him, and it just sounds like he's not grasping onto them. And I'm at the point now where guys are also asking the point, is his NHL career over? Can he come back from this? He is signed to a very expensive contract. He has a no trade clause. The Sharks don't want him back, but what team wants to take him on also? Yeah, uh, great points. Uh, let's get at it. I mean, and that no trade clause, there's only three teams that he can agree to being traded to, by the way. Uh, we talked about that. Um, and yeah, no, you're right. And he, he, he didn't want to give the media any credit when it came to reports that his teammates don't want him back, that many of his teammates don't want him back. But, you know, he uh, vehemently denied those gambling allegations that his estranged wife, Anna, made. Now we're on to these, let's face it, very serious allegations she is making now uh, part of this divorce proceedings. He and his, rep- Vander Kane and his representation have again vehemently denied these latest allegations regarding domestic violence, saying, He's never laid a hand on his, on Anna. He's never laid a hand on his daughter, Kensington, who he loves so very much. It's the light of his life. And that's one thing that I talked to him a lot about is how he's changed since being a dad and what Kensington now, like about a year old now, uh, means to him. Um, so at the time of the interview, there were no allegations by Anna regarding domestic violence. So I did not ask him about that because they weren't out there. So Linda, I think what I want to know from you, and I've heard a lot of people ask me this, is how this interview came about and why Evander wanted to talk to you or want to put a story out there because we cover this league and, you know, we were kind of joking about it with Jack Eichel of like, hey, come on this podcast. But typically when there's a big issue that happens with a player, they hide or they don't want to put themselves out there. And the best policy is typically not talking about yourself. So just give us a little behind the scenes about how this came to be and what Evander might have hoped to get out of it. Yeah, I've um, I've known Evander Kane for several years now. And uh, listen, he reached out to me. I said I could give him a stage. He felt the media was not treating him fairly. And all he wanted was to be judged fairly. He also want, wanted people to know who the real Evander Kane is and was at that time and who he is looking forward. And he felt people didn't know that. People in the hockey community, the mainstream people, whoever it is, that he was very, very determined to want to get that message out. Now, perhaps. You know, if he was represented by other agencies or other people, they might have told him, you know what, at this time, as we await for the NHL to conclude its investigation, maybe you should just stay put, not say a word, you know, be silent. But to Evander Kane's credit, he said, no, I want to speak out. I want people to know my side of the story. And that's how it came about. And then I I let him tell it. Now, we spoke for over an hour 
when the exact interview happened. But of course, it had to be cut down to six to seven minutes and then cut down even further because, hello, we're TV, to three minutes. Uh, but I think he, my opinion, I thought he was very genuine when, and it was 98% of it was about the gambling allegations that are very serious. I mean, the integrity of the sport was at risk, as well as his career, obviously. So he took that very seriously and he just wanted to make his case and vehemently deny these uh, accusations that his estranged wife, Anna, and I do want to say the maid, I do want to say she was not a part of this NHL investigation. The league tried to contact her regarding the gambling allegation she made and posted on her Instagram post uh, on her feed. Um, they couldn't get a hold of her. She did not want to play a part in that in the investigation. Think about that as what you will. Uh, but the NHL is going to do their due diligence, just like they did with these uh, gambling accusations. And we're going to get to the bottom of, of it, even if, if to see if there's anything to get to the bottom of. Well, you say they're going to do their due diligence just like they do to the gambling accusations. But I know that some listeners are rolling their eyes saying, all right, when we heard gambling accusations, the next day, the NHL is like, we're on it. Full investigation. And when you hear domestic violence allegations, typically there's not as swift of a response or as much transparency. I'm with you. That's got to change. I think they get it. I think that's happening right now as we speak, Emily. I really do. They're, they're, they're not back in the Stone Age. I mean, this is 2021. I don't have to. It's well documented what, uh, what it's been like the last few years. And thank goodness it's moving in the right direction. Uh, long way to go. Long way to go, as you pointed out, in the National Hockey League. But um, there are a lot of smart people running this league. And I think, uh, you know, they've learned from the past. And we're going to find out if there is any substance uh, to it. And let me tell you, if there is substance to it, goodbye, Evander Kane. See ya. You're not welcome in this league. All right. I want to move on to the last topic, which I want to talk about before we get to this interview, which is one of my favorite interviews yeah. I think I have ever done. Drew Doughty, unfiltered, unbelievable. Just wait till you hear him and he's feeling good. But we got to talk about training camps open. And the biggest topic of players is, are you vaccinated? Or are you not vaccinated? And the NHL has one of the highest vaccination rates of any of the professional sports leagues. Um, you know, I'd heard over the summer, there was maybe 40 to 50 players that were not vaccinated um, by about two weeks before training camp. Deputy Commissioner Bill Daly said it was about 15 players. And now we're really just looking at a handful. But what I do find interesting is the NHL is not mandating players get vaccinated, but based off their protocols, they're making it very difficult for players who are not vaccinated. They um, cannot interact in the same areas at the hotel or at the rink. They might be suspended without pay. They might not, and as of now, be able to travel to Canada, which means forfeiting game checks. Um, I was talking to a player on the phone Tuesday night, and he told me that his GM made it extremely clear to them get the shot or you're screwed. And I do think a lot of guys didn't believe in getting the shot, didn't want to get the shot, but did feel pressure to. One example of that is Duncan Keith. The Oilers went on a big limb to go get him from the Chicago Blackhawks, thinking that's their missing piece. He didn't want to get vaccinated. From what I understand, there was a lot of conversations around the Oilers and with his teammates saying, look, man, don't let us down. Remember, this is such a team-oriented sport and guys want to do it for the team. But there are a couple of players and specifically teams who have refused not to. 
And the consequences are pretty harsh. Um, you know, the Detroit Red Wings seem to be standing by Tyler Bertuzzi, even though he won't get vaccinated, he won't be able to play in Canada. But the Columbus Blue Jackets not only fired a coach, but disinvited Zach Ronaldo to their training camp because both of them refused to get vaccinated. So, Linda, I'm presenting you all of that information. What do you take in? What are you thinking? Well, uh, these players have their own reason and they have a right to have their own reason for not getting vaccinated. Uh, I do not also blame the GMs, the coaches, the owners, whoever is speaking up against the players that are not vaccinated to lay it out right there and say, all right, uh, hate to break it to you. This is the world we live in. Uh, your career is, is definitely going to uh, personally, it's going to uh, be a big hit to your career because you're not thinking team first, right or wrong. That's the speech. That's the, uh, those are the words that I'm expressing to this player. Basically, I don't control, you, you know, you're saying it's not my rule. It's the league. This is the league you're playing in. Uh, you got to figure it out, make a decision. What's the most important thing to you, your belief about this vaccination, whether it works or not, or do you care about your team and do you care about your NHL career? And that's what each and every player has to sit down with people they love, sit down, meditate themselves, whatever it takes to figure out what's the right thing to do. Um, and, you know, me, no one's asking for my opinion, but I'll tell you, it's their life. It's their body. They could do what they want. But as we saw, to your point about the Blue Jackets firing of that assistant coach, that's just that's what you're going to face. And uh, is it fair? No, it's not fair. And this reminds me of what we went through before the uh, National Football League got going this year. Training camps opened up there. All of the warnings by Roger Goodell, the NFLPA. We heard the post. We saw and read the post. DeAndre Hopkins, just to name one, big star, this kind of thing, not being vaccinated. Okay, well, if you're thinking about not being vaccinated, here's the writing on the wall for you. And games could be forfeited. Money could be lost. Is that what you want? So they just have to sit there with that little, Emily, you know, the little pros and cons. I'm not making light of it, but the little sheet that all of our parents always told us to do. Sit down with a piece of paper and a pen. Write that little thing, pros and cons of each decision. And that's what they have to do. You're completely right, because the guys that I've been talking to, the conversations they're having with their GMs and their teams, it's all based upon money. And let's face it, this league has faced a deficit in the pandemic. Guys had to cut back on some of their salaries. Um, you know, the escrow system's a little screwed right now. They need to make up hockey-related revenue, and it behooves everybody to get a full, robust season in. That said, I feel like today my job on this podcast is just pointing out contradictions. So isn't it just kind of ironic, right, when we're talking about vaccines that it's the player's body and the player's choice? But then when it comes to something like surgery, it's the player's body. But in Jack Eichel's case, it has to be the team's choice. Just a little interesting. I like how you did that. I, that's a, you're a writer verbally. Yes, that was wonderfully put. I like to wrap it up nicely. <laughs> that's great. That sounded wrong. But we're not done. So is this the time we must bring in the most, unless you have something else? Because I'm just anxious. No, this is the, it. I'm ready for it. For the world to hear what we hear. Uh, and let's first talk about, I, I just, before we get into who's coming, which is Drew Doughty, uh, let's, uh, him along with Anze Kopitar, Jonathan Quick, uh, the core group, they're still there from the two Stanley Cups they won, 2012 and 2014. And guess what? They're not ready to say, we are done. 
It's a beautiful mix of young and old for the head coach, Todd McClellan. And uh, don't be some people, not me, but some people are saying the Kings, the Kings are going to be a serious threat. Some people? To Vegas and Edmonton for, yes, some people, not me, for the division title in the Pacific Division, which, oh, by the way, is wide open. I'll agree that it's wide open and that the only team in that division that I can say is a playoff lock is the Vegas Golden Knights. I look at that team, though, and it's still all about development. Like, do we know where Byfield is starting and how sheltered his minutes are? Do we know about some of these other kids? Um, I will say this. I saw a lot of flashes on them last year. There were a lot of young players stepping up. Cal Peterson, they're obsessed with there. They think he is the answer in net. This is all going to be the Cal Peterson show. This is the year where he really inherits the number one Wait, job. not so fast. I, Don't count out the competitiveness of the quickie. Jonathan I already counted Quick. it out. Sorry. Oh, God, don't. <laughs> I'm telling you, you can't. He, he hasn't. His teammates haven't. They all love Cal Peterson. And obviously, the LA Kings love Cal Peterson because they just paid him $15 million over the next three years, giving him a three-year contract extension. Congratulations to Cal. Goalie union, we love the goaltenders. But don't sleep on Jonathan Quick. He has heard the whispers. He's not ready to pull out that rocking chair just yet. Speaking of the rocking chair, do you know who's not ready to sit in the rocking chair just yet? That's one Drew Doughty. <laughs> and I've teased this interview enough. You just got to listen to him. I don't think we laughed more than we laughed with Drew Doughty during this entire interview. So just here he goes. You know, I looked at your age, Drew, and I'm like, you're only 31. I know. What the hell? It seems like you should be 41. I've been around forever. Yeah, but I still feel young. Feel good. What's the secret? Uh, I don't have a secret. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not. I just (laughs) live my life. I'm not like a a lot of these other players where I just like health master or anything like that. I just live my life, try to keep the mental aspect. Uh, that's my number one thing is just trying to stay mentally stable and feel good about myself and then hopefully perform to the best of my ability. Okay. So like, that is the thing with these young guys. They're so cautious of every single oh, thing they put into their body. Yeah. They're nuts. Who's I mean, the worst? It's not a bad yeah. Thing. I, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. It's just not how I, how I necessarily want to live. Uh, I've learned things as I've got older where like things you need to do more in the gym to, to stay in shape and stay on top of things. But I'm still not going to not eat my McDonald's and stuff like that. That's for sure. How uh, often do you have McDonald's? Uh, if you have a day off, for sure, that night, for sure, every time. Is it the fries you crave? No, it's the nuggets for the me. Nuggets I like, and um, I like them all. I like everything. I'm not a Big Mac guy, though. That's one thing I'm not. Because you can get a bigger burger. Yeah, for sure. No but doubt. You, but you know what? Playing in LA, and you mentioned the young guys and their health oh. food. I mean, you have so many options. Like That is true. Right? That is true. And my wife does cook me pretty healthy meals like uh, throughout the week and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, I'm big into the desserts at nighttime and stuff like that. So I got to ask you, what have the last couple of seasons been like for you? Uh, they've been tough. Um, yeah. I mean, both personally and as a team. Uh, well, last year I was pretty good myself. But uh, the years before that, you know, kind of down dumps, not feeling good about my personal game. And then and the team's not having success. And uh, It was tough. I just like mentally it was just. I don't know. I don't. I don't know what the right word is. If I was pissed off or sad or what it was, but we were just so used to winning for so long there, and then all of a sudden we just kind of went to the bottom of the table and, uh, and they're it, trading everyone away and all your yeah, buddies. Yeah, and then like all my buddies are gone. Like 
literally we have like three guys left from the team we we won with. So it's crazy how things change. But uh, those years are in the past now. I'm looking forward to to this season. We got a much better team, made some offseason moves. So I'm looking forward to this season and, and our team, you know, fighting for a playoff spot. Did you put a lot on yourself? Oh, yeah. Um, as you know, one of the, the guys that's been there for a long time and one of our top guys, uh, you put all of it on yourself, really. There's nothing, you know, it's always starts from the top and then come, kind of goes down to the bottom. So if the guys at the top aren't performing to the best of their ability, then it's kind of on you. So I, I put a, a lot of it on myself and, and rightfully so. Um, you know, I just signed the big contract, had a couple good years, and then all of a sudden we kind of, aren't as good a team. And then my, I kind of start going to not playing as well too. So, um, yeah, I put all of that on myself and like coaches getting fired, like never want to see any of that. And you, you put a lot of it on yourself, but, uh, it's part of the business. You got to get through it, get by it and restart. Yeah. Did you seek help? Like what, who helped you through that? Did you reach um, out to people? I mean, I would talk to my parents I'd talk to my wife, uh, Sometimes I would talk to, you know, our GM or whatever it was. Uh, there was a time when I did uh, go to a, like therapy, like a psychiatrist, just mm-hmm. to kind of talk about things and how to deal with them. Because, you know, in my head, I, I didn't think I was playing that bad. But uh, everyone else around me kind of not around me, but in the media and stuff thought I was playing bad. So that was something I, I struggled with. I went to therapy for a bit for it. I don't know whether the therapy helped me or not. I'm not going to lie. I don't really think it did. Um, but, but you tried it. But I tried it. Right. I was trying anything really at that point to see what we could do to get the mind straight again. And I don't know. Just kind of figured it out on my own. I think having kids did a lot. Had a lot to do with it. Um, had a, my first child uh, two years ago. Well, almost two years ago. And uh, that just kind of changed everything for me, to be honest. I want to ask you about the outside noise. Like one of the things I struggle with is anytime I'm on TV, not searching my name because I'm always looking for positive <laughs> affirmation, yeah. but I see the negative and it's tough. How do you consume this meter? How do you see it? Because you're clearly reading it and you're seeing what some people are saying. Yeah, um, I try to. Well, I don't like get on my Twitter or anything like that after games ever. Uh, Healthy. But, yeah, I definitely sometimes want like the, the positive uh what do you say? Affirmation. affirmation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes. I definitely sometimes want to see that. No, no doubt about it. Um, we all do. Yeah. And uh, when it comes to the negative stuff, I mean, when you're back in Canada, I throw on TSN or oh. Sportsnet, whatever it is. And uh, you're just seeing like projections for the Olympic team and like people saying, you know, I'm not the money I'm making. I'm not worth the money and stuff like that. So like it pisses you off and it, and it hurts, but um, it just gives you a drive to kind of go set, set out and prove them wrong. So. What's one thing you've heard about yourself or read about yourself and you're like, that's just patently false? Um, them not projecting me on the Olympic team. Right. I think that's false. But <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, who knows? Uh, and then like a lot of people saying I don't deserve the contract I have. Uh, I mean, I personally think that's false. All the things I've done to earn that contract, uh, don't see how that that's possible. But I mean, people have their opinions and I have mine and they could be right. I could be wrong, but I don't think they are right. <laughs> How bad do you want to be at the Olympics this year? Really bad. Yeah, really bad. I want to be on that team. I've experienced it uh, twice now, two gold medals. And those are some of the best times of my life. I uh, enjoyed it so much. And uh, it's an honor to represent your country. And uh, yeah, I want to be on that team real bad. Okay, so one of the things at ESPN we want to do is elevate your guys' personalities in the same level we talk about NFL players and NBA so I want to hear, I mean, look, we hear Connor and Austin all the time, yeah. but like, who are the beauties? Who are the personalities that we really need to be highlighting? Besides you. Besides you. I mean, like, you've <laughs> clearly elevated yourself to that right now. Um, 
Um, honestly, hockey players don't. It's not that we don't have big personalities. It's just like you're conditioned not to show, show it. I don't know if we're conditioned not to show them, but I think that's just how we were. But like more so when we were younger. Right. Like it's not like culture. that now. The culture is yeah. just kind of how it was back then, and uh, it's kind of just followed through. Who's the biggest villain? Villain. Well, for me, it'd be like Chuck. Yes. Let's <laughs> we asked him that. that. Yeah. We did. Um, he sat right where you were sitting. Yeah. <laughs> he would be my biggest villain. But uh, actually today, the first thing I did when I woke up was walk out of the elevator and he was right there. And uh, I'd never met him before. So we like, whatever, shook hands and I was like, hi, what's up? And it's all good. I'm sure um, you would get along. Oh, I heard from many guys that we would be like best friends if we play on the same team because I play with guys that are on his team now and they all tell me that. So, I mean, for me, he, he he's this is part of his game, trying to, you know, get under my skin and, and take me off my game. So it's not like I don't respect him. Right. I do respect him and I do respect the way he plays. But uh, at the same time, it pisses me off. Like, Yeah, he said he doesn't hate you. He doesn't hate no, anybody. No. We're all good. Yeah. That was basically it. Yeah, that's yeah. the exact same thing here. I mean, that's just, he's a good player. And yeah, we just clash on the ice. It's fun. What's he, he saying or what's he doing to get under your skin? He doesn't really say much to get under your skin. He just says, you know, like, fight me. And like, <laughs> I'm not a good fighter, so I don't fight him. But uh, I don't know. Okay, the one most recognizable feature about you, obviously, is your gap teeth, right now. Yeah. First, how many teeth have you lost in your career? Uh, lost? Uh, well, these two and then, like, the bottom ones are all fake. There's, like, four down here that are fake, so. You've been in the league a while. I keep going back to that, Drew. But, yeah. Um, you've seen how this game has changed and the speed. Uh, when somebody, team comes to town, a player comes to town, um, you know, who you, like, get up for to defend? Well, McDavid's easy one. I get up for it. I'm pumped. Like even that morning of the game, I'm just excited. Uh, I'm prepared to be made look like a fool, but at the same time, I, I know I can do a decent job on him. I mean, he. How do you do that? <laughs> I mean, I have a lot of help with the teammates I have on the ice, and it's usually me and uh, Kopitar who get match up against him, and we're a pretty good duo when it comes to shutting down guys. So. I would think that Connor has the toughest time against the two of us just because we have such a good duo. We've been doing that for 13 years together. So um, I get up for that. I get up for playing OV. I don't get up for blocking his shots on the one-timer, though. <laughs> I do not get up for that. That's how you lose another two. That is not fun. Get up for McKinnon coming in town. He's tough to play against, too. Really tough. I mean, really, there's a guy basically on every team that I get up to play against, and that's what drives me. Has that changed over the years? Has it always been that way? Or no, it's always been that way. Okay. You know, sometimes it's, um, you know, the other team's best player that I have to shut down and mm -hmm. get up for that. And then other times it's, you know, the other defenseman on the team that's a, a star. Like back in the day, it was me and Carlson for a long time. And when I'd play against him, I'd like get up for that game and like one out play him. You said going out. Do you feel like now the younger players, it's like, I felt like a couple years ago, we were just talking about like Fortnite culture. Like they don't even go out they anymore. Don't. They don't. It's bad. Yeah. It's not good. Like, you'll have team dinners and the guys, ah, I'm going to go play a video game. Like, what? what? Like, this, this is, is how we bond. lived for when I was a kid. Like, not necessarily, like, we don't necessarily have to go to the bars or anything, but it's just like nice yeah. to go out for dinner and have a couple beers. And honestly, those are some of the best bonding moments as a team is when you're all drinking together. Like, guys say things that they normally wouldn't want to talk about. The, the fortunate thing is that it's frowned upon more now. Like, when I first came in the league, it was, it was okay to kind of come into practice hungover and uh, you know, sweat it out on the ice, but right. it's kind of it's kind of not like that anymore, which which kind of sucks. But uh, I mean, it's understandable that alcohol doesn't uh, make you perform at the best of your ability. But uh, 
It's yeah. very different. And I don't even think those young guys want to go and have any drinks and stuff like that, which, I mean, you can't force anyone to do anything they don't want to do, but it just sucks. Cause I remember, you know, if there was a team go night or whatever, you know, all 25 guys were there and now you have the same thing and you have like 13 guys. So it's not the same. You're going to need to put on work cause you got a young team. I, our team's actually pretty good. They love their video games, but if I say we got a team night, they're, they're coming. So our team's good. All right. I think the last thing I want to know, Kopitar, he is one of the yeah, – he's the best two-way forward in the game. Yep. What's he like off the ice? Give me a little story about what his personality is like. Kopi's a very generous, um, you know, loyal guy. He, he, he loves going golfing. He lo- he's a big family man, great dad, great mm-hmm. husband. Uh, you know, he's always inviting me and my family over to his house to either go for a swim or go for dinner or whatever it may be and uh, loves his golfing. And uh, he likes to, you know, go for a dinner and have some drinks too. Breakout star of the Kings this year. Who will it be? Yeah. I'm going to go with Byfield. Yeah. Yeah. He played a few games for us last year and I was very impressed. And really? I'm excited to see what he can do this season. Oh, he's got good guidance. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> as long as he goes out, he'll be getting your book. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Thank All right. you so much, Drew. Thank you, guys. You were fantastic. Thank we really appreciate it. See, Emily and I did not lie. Drew Doughty, vintage Drew Doughty. This guy is not ready to pack it up. This guy believes in his LA Kings. But I just loved how open and honest he was about, you know, how the last few years were really difficult for him. And, you know, he might be an old school kind of guy. He's the kind of guy that we probably, you know, should have seen play back in the 70s, right? He would have fit in great into that decade in the National Hockey League. But he was man enough to say, you know what? I think I need to talk to somebody. I think I need to see a psychiatrist. And what was so beautiful about him, Emily, is like, I don't know if it worked, but I did go. I tried it, you know, and that was the big thing. And and I applaud him you know, for that. And, uh, you know, sometimes we don't know, being honest here, we don't know sometimes when talking to someone actually does help or resonate. And we won't know until something happens in our near future, or we're in a situation. And we're how do we handle this? Or what comes through our mind this time, as opposed to before we saw or talked to someone that could help us, right? How we would have handled it. So I think Drew Doughty is going to find out Obviously, when he hits the ice and we get into the season, how much a psychiatrist really did indeed maybe helped him just a little bit. But that's what that's what I loved about that part of the interview. I loved it, too. And I love how healthy it is to understand how unhealthy some fan behavior is and how unhealthy some of that hate and bullying is specifically online. Um, So just to notice that um, I think was really a, a fresh and good moment. My favorite moment, though, I mean, like we talk so much about how the NHL is changing and there was this big storyline a few years ago where they had to ban Fortnite and some teams because guys were playing it so much. And Drew Doughty just comes out and says it. The issue with the NHL today is that kids these days are playing too much video games and they don't want to come drink with me or come home over to the rink with me because that's the way it used to be done. You're supposed to sweat it out at practice. So if you're his teammates and you want to suck up to Drew Doughty, you know what to do. Team bonding, baby. That's important. Team bonding, sitting in hotels. No, I get it. Last year with COVID and all that, they couldn't leave. I mean, they were, they felt like in their little bubble, in the bubble, uh, whatever, you know, the last two weirdo seasons that we've had because of pandemic. But Arthur Kelly, go get a drink with Drew. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, 
So uh, that was cool, but it was great. And also the confidence he has. And he thinks, obviously, he belongs on that Olympic team. He lo- He's Mr. Olympics. He gets it. You heard it in his voice, the passion for representing his country. Let me tell you, okay, when you're filling out this roster, you want Drew Doughty on that team. I've asked like a dozen NHL players at various times of what's something you've read about yourself online that's not true. I don't think I've laughed as much at an answer to uh, that I'm not going to make the Olympic team, as which is Drew Doughty's answer. It was a pretty good deadpan. So it was great. All right. So uh, speaking of great interviews, we have more coming up in our next episode. I mean, we teased it a little bit in our first episode, and we're going to stay in the Pacific Division and another team that has a mix of a few veterans, but a lot more youth than the Kings have. And I'm talking about the Anaheim Ducks, but one of those veterans uh, spoke to us. And I pumped it up in that first episode because how he spent his off season, you're going to hear how, and I mentioned it before, nobody in any professional sports league I have ever heard did what John Gibson did in his off season. So you're going to have to hear that next time. It's pretty good. Well, Linda, I think we've run out of topics for today. We really haven't. I'm probably going to call you in like an hour and talk about a lot of other things. But yeah. We're at that a time. So for Emily Kaplan, we'll say her name one last time. <laughs> for now. You're Linda Cohn. And thanks for listening to In the Crease. Have a good one. Bye.